Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. If David Stern was still alive, he'd tell Scott Foster, work your dark Jedi magic and get these series to six or seven, and he would do it. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're missing. That's, yeah. what, that's what we're missing is David Stern would, yeah. would never let this happen. Hello and welcome to Take Line. I'm Jason Concepcion. Uh, on the mend from the novel Coronavirus COVID-19, we've got a, a wonderful special episode for you this week. I'll be joined by Zach Harper great journalist and podcaster of The Athletic, host of Cinephobe, Count the Dings, Sirius XM's uh, NBA Radio, and others. Uh, one, the number one golf fan on the planet, my mother, will join me to talk about Justin Thomas's win over Will Zilgaris in a, in a playoff in the PGA Championship over the weekend and other recent news in the PGA Tour, including her hatred of Phil Mickelson. And then uh, we'll get into the latest from what has uh, been... A disappointing, at least from an entertainment standpoint, uh, conference finals, uh, both in the East and West, with producers Ryan Wallerson and Zuri Irvin. But first, I want to tell you about a Memorial Day sale on the Crooked Store. This Tuesday, May 24th through Tuesday, May 31st, just go ahead and take it all off. Take 15% off site-wide and up to 80% off new sale items like our Abolish the Filibuster t-shirt, the perfect shirt for days when you think you might run into Joe Manchin. Shop now at Crooked.com store before it's too late. And now uh, let's get into the show. So this Saturday, the Chicago White Sox were at Yankee Stadium. And a kind of scrum broke out uh, that ended up clearing the benches. And in the course of that, uh, uh, Josh Donaldson and Chicago's Tim Anderson had to be separated, yelling at each other. Later, come to find out that what had bumped Tim Anderson was that Josh Donaldson had referred to him as Jackie, a reference to uh, the pioneering Major League Baseball star and American uh, legend Jackie Robinson, and Josh Donaldson has apologized for that. None other than Tony La Russa, of all people, deemed it a racist event, which was, I think, uh, surprising to a lot of people when when uh, Tony La Russa is the person who's uh, calling out something that is untoward. And there followed a conversation on social media through various other channels about what exactly the nature of this comment was. Uh, 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 Josh, uh, for his part, said, hey, this is a reference to a 2019 Sports Illustrated story in which Tim Anderson referred to himself as the new Jackie Robinson. Again, a three-year-old Sports Illustrated story uh, to help me unpack what exactly happened are uh, super producers uh, Zuri and Ryan. Uh, Zuri and Ryan, welcome. How are we doing? Hey there. Kind of a dismal story to start with, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, a really dismal story and a really kind of like one of those things that was like, you just get like exhausted having to explain to people why this was fucked up. Suzuri, let's start with you. What was your reaction to this? Um, well, Josh Donaldson is kind of an asshole around the league. We were just joking about how many teams he's been on in the last few years. Actually, 
was it six, seven teams, former MVP, 2015 MVP? There, it feels like it's about there's 20 something years ago. There's something there. There's, there's something there. Um, my, okay, I'll just start with like baseline takeaways. One is if someone tells you that they were offended by something, then they were offended by it. And it's not really up to you to litigate how offended they were or whether or not it was offensive. And two... Tim's using the term Jackie as a term of reverence and a term of endearment and something that he's aspiring to. Josh is using it to belittle Tim Anderson. So they're not using it in the same fashion. But what Josh liked to do, or what it seems like he wanted to do after, was equate the way Tim's using it with the way that he's using it. And, and Josh is using it as a term of derision. So I think, I mean, we can, we can unpack exactly why this is wrong, but I think just at the surface level... Um, they're they're not using it the same way, and he didn't. His intention is not the same as Tim's, so it's it's unfair to to say that that's what it was. And I think that's what Josh is trying to do. Right, right. Jo- Josh, his defense essentially was, you know, I'm doing the thing that often happens in sports and MLB in particular, which is whenever someone is acting too full of themselves, I'm cutting them down to size, mm-hmm. you know, making fun of them. It's, you know, the clubhouse behavior thing that happens often in the culture of MLB where kind of being too braggadocious is heavily frowned upon. Uh, we can unpack as we have this conversation, whether that particular framing uh, is accurate. It's not. Uh, Ryan, uh, your thoughts on this? As a Yankee fan, I actually happen to be listening to this game live. Yankees are a good story, best team in baseball record-wise, and I haven't been paying too much attention to them. This was actually one of the first opportunities I've had to listen to a game in full, and it was really weird listening to John Sterling try to explain to people live what was happening because it started with a conversation uh, between Anderson and Donaldson, and then it spews out to players talking on the field and pointing into the dugout. The bench is clear. Pop Pinstripe has... It's a racist remark! A race ball! <laughs> he has no idea what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, he's been making a lot of mistakes this year, so I think he was pretty guarded about... John, uh, John Stelling, yeah, about trying to, like, yeah. figure out, assume, not make too many assumptions. But it was just a really ugly situation. And as it unfolded and the information came across social media, it's just one of those really unfortunate situations where as a Yankee fan, I just have to roll my eyes and be like, why are we like this? Why are we doing this again? The fans have had a lot of bad moments this year. We've already come out and put our black eye on this situation, coming out chanting Jackie. Like, it's just, it's asinine. It's unfortunate. It's taking away from, for me, what was a good season. And, you know, I'm frankly, I was happy to see the White Sox sweep us tonight, doubleheader. And the fact that Tim hit that big rerun shot in the second game. Yeah, that was nice. Poetry. In that moment, I was rooting against my Yankees, which is a very rare thing. Fall don't lie. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, a lot of Yankee fans were in my mentions being like, the context of this is he literally felt like he was today's Jackie Robinson. He said he's the new Jackie. Um, so here's the rest of that story from 2019, the rest of his comments. Quote, I just use it as motivation. All the things he went through, Jackie. Uh, we all know the negative things he went through. So just being thankful for the moment and for him paving the way for us as well. Continue to go out and continue to have fun of it. There's not really many black kids in our league, so we're going to do it. We're going to motivate these kids. We're going to inspire them. That's something I take pride in, and I definitely always look forward to wearing 42. So that's the context to it. Um, and I think deciding... I'm going to make fun of this guy for that is a thing that speaks for itself on a kind of more general level. I am profoundly uncomfortable with the idea that white players or kind of like non-black players in general could gatekeep the ability of a black 
MLB player to compare themselves and be inspired by Jackie Robinson. I, that feels wrong to me. And kind of like on a, on a, like a general level of, of the way society works, I think this incident really encapsulated why it's so fucking hard to talk about race with any kind of judiciousness in our society. It's like, as a person of color, I, I, I've experienced, and I'm sure like everyone here has experienced, people in social and or work context saying shit that's like out of pocket, that's inappropriate, that's mm-hmm. racist. And a lot of times when you hear that, you just let it go because you know what will happen if you confront it. Mm-hmm. It will just become a whole thing. It doesn't matter how gently you say, hey, that was out of line. The way people react to hearing that is, I've just been called a racist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to lose my job. Everybody's going to think that I have a fucking KKK hood in my closet. I'm being attacked and I need to go on the offensive and I need to explain where I'm coming from, which is kind of what Josh did, which is like try to explain like, here's my intentions. I, I, I've said it numerous times. That was part of like the defense was like, oh, <laughs> it didn't make him crazy. come out. Any that better, was a crazy so. defense. <laughs> oh, by <laughs> yeah. the way, this was not an isolated incident. I want to tell you that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. oh yeah, we've said this numerous times, like as a way to say, like, oh no, we're we're cool, like saying this, you know, like and it makes it so hard. And the thing that I that it just exhausts me about this, right, is when the person gets sensitive, then all of a sudden it becomes about them. The conversation it, we watched it happen. It didn't become about Tim, how did you feel about this? What were you feeling when you heard that? Why were you offended by it? Um, Tim, uh, maybe like, why did you let it go the, the other time that Josh said it? Like, what was like, we don't unpack that. It becomes all about Josh Donaldson and his feelings and his mm-hmm. intent. Like, I had m- numerous people being like, you know, that wasn't the intent. He wasn't meaning to be racist, which is fine. Like, I, people who are not. You can be accidentally yeah, you racist. Can be accident- you, you, can, can be you, you can be accidentally racist, right? Like, you can say something yeah. and not. Yeah. And like, listen, we've all said stuff that is out of pocket probably at times, that doesn't mean like we're homophobic slash transphobic slash racist. Like you just say, you apologize for it. You move on. You go, you know what? I slipped up there. You caught me slipping. And like, and that's when, a way to. And when but you this, apologize, the best defense is no defense. Just the right. apology. <laughs> exactly right. We shouldn't, but, we should. Oh, no, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Okay. But, but the way these things always go is, when people say, oh, you know, that wasn't the intent, like the intent matters. First of all, I'm not fucking Professor X. I can't read people's minds. Nobody can. But second <laughs> of all, why I reject the, fr- the intent framing is because now it makes it about the person who said the thing and their feelings mm-hmm. and what they're going through with everybody attacking them because they said this thing when it should be about the person who was offended and what they heard and how that hit them. Instead, that conversation's gone. We're talking about fucking Josh Donaldson now and like what he's going through <laughs> instead of Tim. And 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 lastly, and then I'll move on, is it also puts the entire fucking onus 
of explaining to everyone mm-hmm. why and mm-hmm. educating people about why this is offensive on the person who has been offended. And that's just honestly so fucking tiring. It's so tiring to have these conversations all the time about like, well, here's okay, here's why. <laughs> go back and look at, here, now you have to go back and read the article that came out three years ago. Did you read it? Let's unpack it. Now, here is why Jackie Robinson has a special uh, uh, place in the in the minds and yeah. hearts of black ball players. Like, you have to do this entire thing, and it's, like, exhausting. It's exhausting. It's wild, and, and you have to explain it to a Major League Baseball player, that being Josh Donaldson. We should note, um, he did get a one-game suspension Major League Baseball is less than 8% black. Tim Anderson plays on the south side of Chicago. This is down from 20% some 30 years ago, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's a better player suited to take on the mantle of increasing those numbers and getting more African-Americans in, enthused in the sport. And then lastly, I mean, on a much like simpler level, this reminded me of a bully. You know how like a bully might think that he's your friend? And every maybe he's he's pushing around right. or he's taking our lunch money, but he think he goes home and he thinks like, oh, yeah, this we're, my cool buddy. we're cool with it. We're cool. We're cool. We, we have this. Yeah, we're cool. Yeah, yeah no, he likes him. when I chide him yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, that you know, on some level, that's what this reminded me of. But it was nice that we mentioned Tony Russo. We mentioned some of the other players on the field. It's nice that a lot of people did come to Tim's um, backing. Yeah, no, I, I did appreciate that about this whole situation. Like people reacted correctly and like we're uniformly rejective of of this entire situation which is the only way to react to it a little bit more and then i will stop my rant the other thing that i (laughs) that that it just feels like a trap you know because we talked about how because of the friction people know they're going to get when they confront something that's out of pocket they often let it go but then the trap of that is when you do confront it Often it's because you've had enough and now you're emotional. And now Mm -hmm. that plays right Mm -hmm. into the stereotype of, oh, you're the emotional one. You're the one who sees Mm -hmm. race everywhere and blows up. And and it sucks because when I've been in those situations, you can feel it happening. You know, hey, I right now am that stereotype. I can feel myself doing it. And it's like you can't escape it. Um, and it just feels like a no-win situation when this should be the easiest thing in the world. Hey, don't do this. Don't don't make fun of a guy because he idolizes Jackie, uh, who is black. Right. And also, finally, Josh and Tim have been separated before. This is not the first time. They've been separated numerous times. We talked about it. Josh Donaldson, the 2015 MVP, has been on numerous teams. The idea that, like, Oh, we have this friendly inside joke that's no. Stop. No, that's not <laughs> the case. You knew you were ragging on the guy, right? You knew this was right. not like You didn't do it after he hit a home right, run. Yeah, this or was after not he stole a base. Right. This was not like a friendly ha 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 we're buddies thing. Again, you guys have gone chest to chest before. This was something else. So I I don't even I don't even buy that excuse. Absolutely not. He's he's in quicksand. He should have just taken the egg on the face, not tried to put it in any context, just apologized, taken the suspension and kept it moving. Now, with this explanation, he has people trying to come to his defense. And frankly, I think that eventually he'll realize that's not a great thing. I mean, he did. Again, he did apologize, although it was uh, if Tim was offended, I apologize. Tim was obviously (laughs) offended. So just apologize. Like to, to your point, Ryan, I think. 
the thing I've learned in my life is, listen, society changes, right? Whether it's our our um, evolving uh, consciousness on trans issues, LGBTQI issues, um, social justice, etc. Nobody's saying like you gotta be the wokest motherfucker about everything that's happening. Like you're gonna you're gonna mess up sometimes, right? That's just it's going to happen. You're going to refer, you use the wrong pronoun. You're going to, uh, you're going to use a, a term that's, that's, um, unconsciously like derogatory to indigenous people or someone. And the best thing to do when you do that is to just go, Hey, I'm sorry. Like, thank you for checking me. I didn't mean to say that. Uh, and I apologize. Yeah. And that, and then it just goes away. Scene. Yeah. Like that's all anybody's asking for is, Hey, thanks for, thanks for checking me on that. Like I didn't mean to do that, so thank you for letting me know that, and I'll I'll be better in the future. That's all anybody wants. That's like all anybody wants, because the last thing I want to do and anybody ever wants to do is like go through this whole rigmarole where you have to educate people about what's offensive and why it sucks to do that. Um, in other news, we're recording this on Monday night. Uh, this particular segment, and the Boston Celtics just defeated the Miami Heat. 102-82. It was not that close. Um, like at one point in the third quarter, the Heat had like 37 points. It was just a, a thorough, thorough, thorough beatdown. It's now a 2-2 series. It's crazy to me that the Miami Heat have won exactly two quarters out of the 16 that have been played in this series, but somehow have two games. So that's a, that's a credit to them. But uh, you know, you can be old, right? A veteran team and you can have a short rotation, but it's really hard to have both of those things because you just have a, a, a no margin for error. And Jimmy Butler is very obviously laboring with the, uh, with the swollen knee, uh, Kyle Lowry is hindered by by injury, but playing trying to play through it. Tyler Hero did not play, and that's your three primary creative forces, primary ball handlers. And uh, without that, you know, it's I guess not a surprise that Bam Adebayo only takes five shots, the the hero of of Game Three, and. It all equals just like a absolute beatdown by the Celtics. It was just, it felt like there was no way the Heat were going to get back into this, and and they absolutely didn't. Um, no magic from Max Struess, who was zero of seven in this game. Celtics really just ran him off the three, and you know without um, without Jimmy Butler with some kind of athletic edge or Kyle Lowry able to like sneak into the lane to get Struess his shots. It was just not going to be his day um your thoughts uh zuri ryan i look i'm looking at kyle lowry first and foremost i feel like this is the exact moment that they got him for and um we know every team's dealing with injuries but i think we're gonna look back at this as kind of a bust also jason tatum playing with a stringer in his arm i know that if if i had that in my arm i probably would call out sick for work for two weeks and he's just playing playoff games and contributing i'm i think we should credit him for that I thought he had popped it out. Like the way when right. he was laying there and like screaming in agony, like 
the way his arm was, it looked like it had twisted and popped out. And I thought like, oh shit, surely they'll pop it in, but there's a chance we might not see him this game and maybe another game. So I was really shocked to see him come back in. Like that looked like more than a quote unquote stinger to me and not in the way that like, you know, Marcus Smart's one of the great actors that we have. Marcus Smart looks like he's <laughs> dying on every other play, but like with Jason Tatum, that looked legit. So, you know... I, obviously the Celtics are dealing with their things too, but I just think the Heat had a short rotation all year and are just an older team, and that's just less a that's less of a, a margin for error that they have. You know, we keep talking about Jason Tatum in this postseason and how he's kind of reintroducing himself to the annals of the NBA elite conversation, and I think that this was another this is another feather in his cap toward that argument. You know. The stinger looks the way it does, and we don't know how he's going to perform in this game. And then he comes out in the first half, like, specifically. He just, like, destroys Miami in the first half and then says, all right, I can't play a whole quarter. Like, he has 24 at the half and finishes with 31. Like, once the job is done, he's like, take me out. Let the role players finish this up and let's get it up again in Miami. I think it's really impressive the way that he came out, like, both from the field, 50% from the field, hitting almost all of his foul shots. Like, I'm impressed by the performance But also, like, we do have to take it all, you know, we have to take all stats into account. The Celtics shot terribly in this game, uh, specifically from behind the arc. And Tatum is included in that. I think it was one for seven from the three-point line. So it's like it wasn't all working for him. It wasn't all working for Boston. But the fact that they were able to do this to Miami under those circumstances, as you guys say, for the reasons of the failures of uh, of the starting rotation and the lack of depth and then the injuries, Everything's kind of trending downward for Miami while I feel like Boston, they won this game, they tied the series, and they did so not playing their best basketball. Uh, We'll see what happens moving forward, but it's going to be a tough assignment for Miami. I mean, I think that uh, the blueprint that Miami has to win is basically the one that's available to them for the rest of this series, which is they just have to make it so fucking ugly that they have a shot. You know, that's how they've uh, won the two quarters and the two games that they've won is, you know, game one was incredible defense, uh, you know, steals and blocks and and just like cutting off the rim and turning those into live ball turnovers that then they went down and scored. And then, uh, you know, game three was was just a, a, a monumental performance by Bam and a lot of steals mm-hmm. and a really physical game. So that's what they're going to have to do. And I just feel like the issue is at this point, attrition because that physicality cuts both ways and the the heat look like they're fucking limping in and out of the arena. Zuri. Okay. Let me ask you guys this. Yeah. yeah. What is one of these things true? Are there too many series in the playoffs? (laughs) Is there too few time in between games or is the regular season too long or are none of those things true? Uh, uh, well, I think it, I'll, I'll take it, I'll take it in, in somewhat discombobulated order. Of course, there are too many regular season games. We, we've known that for a long time. I think everybody knows that. Like, I think the owners know it. I think the league office knows it. The players know it. I think everybody is aware that there are too many games. The issue, as we have said in the past, is if you lose 10 games, eight games, whatever it is, who makes up that eight games worth of game day income and how does that fall and who takes responsibility for that? Nobody wants to be the 
the group, the players or the owners want to be the group that takes the hit for that. And so it's a non-starter because there's no way that they're ever going to come to an agreement on cutting games and losing money. Like no one wants to, everybody wants to agrees we should lose games, but nobody wants to lose money. So therefore we're never going to lose games. Should there be more time between uh, playoff games? I guess, you know, I, I've always been a fan of when you change to the different arena, when you go to the road, an extra game in there to give an extra padding yeah. for for uh, travel and such. But I also think that it is just a function of of the the structure of of these two the these particular two series with the Mavs Warriors. What you had was a team, the Mavericks, that was not expected to win. Against against the number one team in the league, Suns, right? And so they shocked everybody. And much like, uh, you know, with the Portland Trailblazers year after year and in recent years anyway, uh, once they unseat the the stronger team, they're at a disadvantage in the next series because they just are not as well-rounded as the team that they beat. And then with, with the Heat and the Celtics, you have a, you have a Heat team that is just one kind of older and two banged up and bagged up in a bad way. And so I don't, it'd be nice if they had some extra time, but I don't necessarily know it. Maybe that helps the heat Celtic series, but it certainly doesn't help the, the Maverick series Mavericks warrior series where you see a, a warriors team that is just kind of bullying a overmatched Mavericks team. Like no. Luca doesn't have anybody that he can really depend on as their secondary person. Like, uh, Maxi Kleber is lost in the fucking wilderness. Like <laughs> Jason Kidd has no choice but to play him because there's like nobody else that can go out there and do anything. And Maxi Kleber doesn't want to shoot <laughs> and needs to shoot and can't for some reason uh, re- react and recover on defense. So that's like an absolute fucking disaster there. And it's unclear who, d- uh, Luca's second best player is going to be on any given night. They just don't have enough. I almost felt bad for Mavs fans as a Knicks fan watching Bullock throw brick after brick after uh. brick. Because I was just like, that's right. I know it hurts more because it's the Western Conference Finals, but this is what you got. We know. <laughs> At least Bullock, wow. like, was... He was a little timid to pull the trigger later in the game, but like at least, he, at least he was still shooting it. Maxi looked like absolutely terrified to shoot the ball at this point. Like, and I feel bad for them, and I feel bad for Reggie Bullock, who is like one of the best people like in the NBA, yeah. like a great guy. <laughs> oh, I love, like, I love Reggie. I, I love <laughs> Reggie, but I also know that he's a streaky yeah. shooter, and he's sometimes an it goes streaky. really wrong. Yeah, and it's just very tough. But I, but you know, like it's a good point, Zuri, in that like it'd be nice if there was a little extra rest. Uh, but I don't necessarily know what that helps. You know, it's just this is the way it goes sometimes. You, you know, know, it's worth a shot, dude. I would trade it in if we could have the NBA season end in August, but the playoffs last two months, and we get one game a week, and it's like a primetime NFL Sunday kind of thing. But each of those games is absolutely magnanimous, and it's, there are no twenty point blowouts. I would let the season end in August, and um, I'd have no problem with that. If David Stern was still alive, he'd tell Scott Foster, work your dark Jedi magic and get these series to six or seven, and he would do it. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're missing. That's, yeah. what, that's what we're missing, is David Stern would, yeah. would never let this happen. 
<laughs> you know what could help? Like an elimination of travel days. Like adopt uh, Major League Baseball's playoff schedule where it's just two three two as opposed to the two two one yeah. one one because that's a lot of it's mm-hmm. unnecessary flights i don't hate the two three two um of course that was like a staple of the finals for many years when it, it particularly uh, because the league was going between boston and la so much and you know 1980s travel technology being what it was they did they went to the two three two i i the thing i don't love about the two three two is it's like when the uh, road team gets one of the first two games, it feels <laughs> yeah. like it feels yeah. like a lion's <laughs> den that the home team is going into. You know, the higher seated team. It just yeah. feels like holy shit! This is an an immense advantage for the road team. You split you split the first two, and you basically are in the driver's seat the rest of the series. Yeah, it's it it becomes yeah. like a, a real hill to climb. That said, maybe that's something to look into. I don't know. I feel like in the age of charters, it's not that big a deal. But like, you know, an extra game in there maybe would be nice. But like to go back to the first thing, it just should be like a seventy-two game season, especially with the fact that mm-hmm. we're now talking about a mid-season tournament, more games onto the pile. Like there needs to be a way outside of load management to just cut down on the structure of these games. There's just too many games. There's too many games, period. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. second round of the playoffs was super exciting with lots of surprises and stuff. And then the conference finals have started and it's just a different, it's just a different energy. It's just a different vibe. Uh, We have, we have not been able to have a close game as of yet. And to help unpack all of this is a, a great friend of the pod, a great human being in general, one of the most talented people out there. His ad reads are impeccable folks. It's Zach Harper, NBA writer for The Athletic, host of Cinephobe, Count the Dink, Series XM's NBA Radio, and all that. Zach, welcome back. How are you? Thank you for having me back. Um, I will sell anything. I will ad read anything. It doesn't matter the product. I will do it. If you want to send me an ad read, I will read it for money. I am not above hawking dick pills. I prefer it. Uh, All of it. I prefer it. Uh, All of it. It's I'm I'm not even I'm not blowing smoke. They're really great. Like you do a great job. People don't understand how awkward those could be and you crush it. Thank you. I I feel like look, it's part of the podcast, right? And if the goal is to get someone to not skip ahead 30 seconds, then I'm going to try to put a little bit of something into it. Sometimes it works, sometimes yeah. it doesn't. Uh kind of depends on some of the copy. I did one recently where I'm just I'm going over what I have to read and I was like that, that this is this is a skip this is gonna be a skip i would just say this to all the copywriters out there stop just stop making bad reads <laughs> just give us it's some material to use i i could not agree more <laughs> um let's get into these conference finals let's start with the game that happened last night yeah 
Heat, Celtics, Game 4. The Heat uh, simply got trounced. Uh, I have one order of business to get to a little bit before that. You are an expert in Heat culture. Yeah. Uh, you are a, a, a Miami as a geographic location aficionado. Um, the the Heat uh, famously have a uh, a body fat stipulation that they yeah. that uh, that is very rigorous. Does Kyle? Did they just like let that slide for Kyle Lowry? What's the deal? Yeah, <laughs> What's the deal I, with it? Does he have like a? <laughs> it's interesting, right? It's a great question uh, <laughs> because famously, like James Johnson, right, who's like yes. one of the most insane yeah, right. athletes you could ever know. He didn't meet the body <laughs> fat requirement by like. Yeah. And they're like, oh, he came out of shape. It's like, no, no, no. He missed it by like 0.4% or something like right. that. But yeah. you missed it. And you look at it. And is there just something where Kyle's like, yeah, I'm not doing that shit. Like, I look. I, I wonder. I'll be there. Um, <laughs> But let's just. He's, I imagine he's just like, let's just say 60% of my body fat is in my ass. Like, <laughs> like, like, let's just say that. And we can all move past it. And let's just look the other way when I'm changing shirts in the locker room. Like, it's it's fine. <laughs> Um, uh, this series has been uh, extremely physical. The Heat have won all of two quarters out of the 16 that have been played. Somehow have two games in the win column. Uh, it, the, the series is two to two. Uh, but it, the sense you get watching them is that the lack of, of real uh, depth uh, plus the attrition of playoff time plus these are kind of older guys that are banged up. Um, and you just feel like it's going to be really tough for the Heat to win this series. Your thoughts on, on, on the last game? I actually feel pretty good about the Heat, despite an 18-1 to 1 start through like five and a half <laughs> minutes of play in which Derek White, I was like, Derek White is going to outscore the Heat in this quarter. Like, this is unacceptable um also shouts to him and his and his wife on a new on a new child uh i guess it's Absolutely. the fred van vliet bump um i feel i actually feel pretty good about them because i think that that team maybe them and the warriors are the two teams that can absolutely just let a stinker completely go like within an hour of of the game i think they're capable of just letting that go boston seems to be doing that too boston is has been mm -hmm. incredibly resilient um, but I think like the history of the heat, the history of the Warriors shows a little bit more than that uh, in that department. But yeah, like I, <laughs> this is a, this is a team that's supposed to be able to execute however they want. They're supposed to be bullies. And by the way, like they got through the Hawks and whatever the hell that was with Philadelphia. I don't yeah. see the same war of attrition with them as like the Celtics who just got through Giannis, right? And sure, yep. there was no Chris Middleton, but but they just got through Giannis and, and the Bucks in a way more physical series. And so I actually think the Heat are kind of they tapped out early last night. They just didn't bring it. I think they got their their game in Boston and feel like, all right, we have home court advantage. But they are just one quarter away from snatching the Celtics pride every single time. Like it's it's weird how they've now won. I mean, I, I don't want to correct you on your show, but you um rudely did not give them the fourth quarter of game four which they won by four points okay they tied they tied quarter three they won the fourth quarter by four points thanks to duncan robinson hitting three pointers okay and i think omer your seven got in there i'm not sure actually but there is uh you know there, that's three quarters now but it's weird how they can just kind of meander for three quarters have that one demolition quarter 
And then the other team's like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, I guess for me, it just feels like the way they have to offensively, uh, particularly with Hero out, um, it's just going to be harder for them to find their points. Yeah. And so, you know, the way they've won in this series has been, we're just going to get insanely physical we're going to disrupt you we're going to we're going to get 19 live ball turnovers we're going to uh be wildly physical in the paint and th- and we're going to get turnovers and that's how we're going to uh, uh go to the other end and start scoring and it just feels like man that that physicality cuts both ways and it takes a toll and you're you're right i mean they got they got some nice uh minutes out of you know Duncan Robinson and and Martin but it just feels like it has to become so ugly for them to win. Like, they have to make it. Yeah. It has to be a grappling match for them to get in this. Isn't that weird, though? Like, and I think this could probably end up, like, biting in this series. If they do lose the series, I think it is because they're looking for that kind of street fight mentality. And then sometimes they just forget yeah. to punch. But it feels like it feels like they're showing up to the DMV without an appointment and loving it. Like, just like, who <laughs> yeah. knows what's going to happen? Like, like, <laughs> yeah. I either talk my way into getting my new tags or I don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's go to uh, Dallas Warriors where the uh, the sense is that Luka is great. He's shown why he is an MVP candidate every year and one certainly one of the most, if not the most exciting under 25 player in the NBA, but they just don't have enough. The Mavs simply don't have enough. Maxi Kleber is terrified. Reggie Bullock. Uh, picked the uh, wrong game to not <laughs> oh, hit a single shot man. and uh, they just don't have enough yeah I felt bad for Reggie because he had a couple I, I wouldn't say like three or four shots in the maybe the first quarter definitely the first half that just went in and out right like rattled in rattled yeah. out and and so it looked like he was gonna have a great game early because he was he was pretty on point like he was getting good shots and then as it went to like 0 for 7, 0 for 8, 0 for 9, 0 for 10. Yeah. You just kind of felt really bad for him and his legs kind of left him. With Maxi Kleber, like he's another guy that they need to knock down shots. He got afraid to shoot. He was afraid to shoot. It, notably, happen. yeah, I mean, he would he would kind of like pump fake on a wide open shot with yeah. no one running to him and then no one hoping that someone would run to him so that he could give it up and then no one would run to him and he'd be like, fuck. Well, I'm giving it up anyway. Yeah, I, blew, I think I blew this opportunity. <laughs> I don't have this rhythm anymore. Um, yeah, it's so it's funny because like I've seen a lot of criticism online of like before you know before the series started, the Warriors are going to beat them, and everyone's going to complain that Luca doesn't have any help, right? And now we have to do referendums on every quarter lost and half lost and game lost. It's like, all right, should we talk about Luca? He's about to get swept in the conference finals, and it's like, well, they got to the conference finals and got through the one seed. They it's, did, yeah, it's it's a great it's a great step forward, but also. I think in game three, like, look, game two, they choked away to a team that's just way more experienced. Game three, right. they got a ton of good looks. They're actually generating yep. 28 wide open three-pointers per game, right? Their offense is working as designed. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, is and I don't think you can expect their defense to be great in this matchup against the Warriors because the Warriors are just, they're fucking good. Yeah. Like they're just really good. And good. the the and Dallas yeah. only has so many personnel. Like Jalen Brunson's six one with short arms. He's not going to be able to do yeah. anything defensively. <laughs> Luka Doncic is Luka Doncic. Like he's not going to do anything defensively. So you're asking two to three guys at any time to cover the entire Warriors team. It's not going to work. So you do that by knocking down shots, and they just haven't knocked down open shots. 
I got to ask, as a Minnesota Timberwolves longtime fan, mm. um, you are very versed in the world of Andrew Wiggins, who yeah. uh, in his time with the Warriors has has become an all-star, t- uh, certainly taken a, taken a leap in terms of being able to be an impact player at a high level, at a winning level. And then uh, in the most recent game, we just watched him you know, manifest at the next level to the point that he's dunking over uh, Luka Doncic, who made a valiant effort to flop away the poster. It almost worked. Did, was there so much force? <laughs> was there so much force in the contact? Because he hits him. His off arm hits Luka kind of in the arm and in the chest. And Luka's like, yeah. my mouth. Like, what? Well, help. <laughs> I've been decapitated. I've, I've, been, I've been struck in the jaw. Like it was. I've looked, I've watched that replay so many times because it's just what a what a play. And every time it gets to the contact and his head snaps back, I just start laughing uncontrollably. It's, it's so, good. so good. Well, that's a, actually a different conversation. I want to ask you right <laughs> after. Yeah, but like, what do you what do you make of this uh, leap that Wiggins uh, is taking? And what did the Warriors do right? What did Wiggins do right in this stint? At, I mean, I think they held him accountable for the first time, right? Like uh, it was like that Wolves culture is just so bad. It's it's been so bad. He had and some due to tragedy, some due to just um yeah. yep due to just you know incompetence in the in the ownership. But like he had a he had a new coach almost every year of his of the yeah. first five years of his career, right? And like I don't think people I always I always kind of link it back to like uh, to Alex Smith, quarterback Alex Smith, like yep. taking over. Aaron Rodgers and everybody like, oh, what a mistake. And yeah, it was. He also had six offensive coordinators in his first six seasons, right? Like they, yeah. you just need continuity. You can't have just new faces in all the time. It's why the Kings are the Kings. No offense. It's why the Knicks are the Knicks. Like it's just they have new people coming in to be authority figures all the time and there's no accountability. And so with Wig, like it was just something where he's crazy talented. Like Jimmy Butler in his brief time there was like Andrew Wiggins, the most talented dude on this team. Like he's just he is. It's just he doesn't harness yeah. it. And so the warrior, I mean, if you remember Glenn Taylor for game, a, a max extension was like, him, I need yeah, you to promise to try. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was one of, one of the most <laughs> notable things that has oh. happened in recent NBA history. Also, <laughs> how do you let that leak out? That that was a conversation you had with a guy you're giving $150 million to. That was devastating. That it's just that incompetent. Slip. So incompetent. But, um, but yeah, like I think, once he got to the Warriors, you saw last year, like Wiggins looked terrible last year. He was so lost yep. throughout most of that season yep. because the Warriors are hard to play for in that everything's live. Everything, yeah. there is no Re- wasted emotion. Read, react, cut. Yep. You and, gotta, it's, and it's not just cut through. Really it's quick. Yeah. Live cut, hands ready, get yep. ready to spring, right? And and yep. Wiggins had to learn how to do all that stuff. He's had the defensive stuff in him for a while. Like, I know he's been a, a joke defensively on, on NBA Twitter, and, and rightfully so. Like, he falls asleep off the ball all the time. But I don't know if people remember when he was a rookie. There were games he guarded Jimmy Butler. There were games he guarded Chris Paul. There were games he guarded James Harden. And he did a good, for a rookie, like, he did a good job. Like, he has that in him. It's just, you need Draymond getting him motivated. You need Andre Iguodala coaching him up on the sideline. You need Steph Curry making him a threat at all times. And so I think it just, they finally got the wolves out of him. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about that flop. It did almost work. I think that... Flopping and officiating in general has been, as always, a big topic. But it really feels like with the review process and the flopping, we've got a review process that that is solving for a 
the problem we don't have, which mm-hmm. is everything else but flopping. Uh, I think part of the issue is that we also have some really, really high-level floppers left in the playoffs. What, if anything, can be done about simulation, about some of these, uh, at times, really like frustrating uh, plays that some some very, very talented actors in the NBA uh, execute? Yeah, um, I wish there was like a system where like you could find players for flopping. I wish like they could come up with something where there's like right. a warning the right. first time and then maybe like Gosh, a 5K, 10K, 50K, you Gosh. know, just an escalating scale. Um, That's but a really I, I great just, idea. They don't have the technology do for it, you know? It's just yeah. they don't know how to do that. So um, unfortunately, they don't. Uh, they don't hurt any of the pocketbooks or anything like that's that's what it is right also mark davis fuck you i am so like i listen (laughs) look i try to be as understanding i hate when fans blame the refs i do it's like there are so many bad decisions your team made on the way to a loss that i like i just hate blaming the officials but mark davis waited two and a half to three seconds after wiggins landed to call that foul and i don't know why John Hollinger had a joke that he just wanted to go watch it on the monitor. No, you ruined that moment. <laughs> you tried to fuck it up he for did. everybody. And it's just like, you've got to get rid of the bad official. Like you, I mean, you've talked about Scott Foster a lot, right? Like you've talked yeah, about Scott Foster a lot. It's like, hard not to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, like it's like, it's Scott Foster. It's Kane Fitzgerald. It's Tony Brothers. It's Mark Davis. It's James Williams. I shouldn't know these names. Yeah. Like, I just shouldn't. And it. what bothers me is everyone looks back and they're like, Joey Crawford was terrible. Joey Crawford was fucking great. Joey Crawford was an amazing ref that held people accountable. Uh, sure. Yeah. The weird thing with Tim Duncan, it's bad. That's right. one thing. That's one thing. It's one thing. Yeah. It's one thing. Uh, yeah, I don't know what we could. It, it would be great to bring back that uh that focus on on simulation and the fine structure i'm of the opinion that if you review a play and then realize that the other player flopped as in that that luka dunk that you give them some new kind of technical that doesn't eliminate them from the game or something like if they already have one you give them the simulation technical they don't get they don't get ejected but i don't know what if we had a flagrant zero yeah, like something like that. Like a that's a great that's a great way to do it. Like yeah. and you and you add them up and then something happens when you get to 6 or sure. 5 or something like that. But you don't get ejected in the moment. Right. Uh but they're just it just feels like if you look at that play again and oh that uh that was a flop and that was the reason I called it offensive foul then it, it should flip on that player. That there should be something that holds that player account. Yeah. Also, like on reviews, if we're gonna do it and if they're gonna take three minutes each time, like if you see something, say something, right? The whole like airport yeah. model, like you see, like actually that was a foul on Bam out of bio. Like we gotta call that. We right. gotta reverse this whole thing. It shouldn't just be on what's reviewable or what's challenging, but like what did you see on the play? If you see someone off in the distance punch somebody, all right, well, that's the yeah. the call of the play or whatever. And so, yeah, like I, I hate reviews. Let's, let's either do them properly, or let's just yes. not do them at all. Uh, finally, do you, uh, what do you think of these series? What your your predictions on how we're going to watch this play out? Obviously, uh, at three zero, we've never seen anybody in the NBA come back from that. Yeah. Um. Uh. Your thoughts. 
As someone who, trying to be quirky, picked Mavs in six, I don't feel great about the prediction. Uh, everyone on everyone on the Athletic NBA Show podcast was like, oh, yeah, Warriors in this. Warriors. I was like, well, we can't all be the Warriors. So, all right, I'll pick Mavs in six. Yeah. And then thought, and then once it was 2-0, I was like, well, this doesn't feel great, but maybe it'll be like the Phoenix <laughs> series. And then I watched Reggie Bullock like go over 10 and thought, okay, well, this was just <laughs> stupid. Uh, no, I think the Warriors, I mean, at best, the Warriors win in five right like maybe dallas right, gets yeah. a game but even the, i mean look had 40 last game and it didn't matter so i don't i don't know I don't, I don't think there's any hope for that uh i still feel pretty good i think about about the heat like i think the heat um i think game five will determine it for them i don't think they can come back down from three two even if they even if they tied the series in boston if you flip those games i think going back to Miami for a game seven. I, I just think this Boston team is very resilient, but I'll, I'll stick. I had heat and six. I'll stick with heat and six. I feel pretty good about it. And then finally, as uh, as the co-host of Cinephobe, as a movie expert, as a person who just received an eight and a half minute standing ovation at the Con mm -hmm. Film Festival. Congratulations on that, by the way. It was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Um, give us a give us a movie review. Tell us what you've seen lately that has really struck you. OK, well, I saw. The unbearable weight of massive talent. I knew, of course, uh, you, of course, you have five times in the theater. I saw it twice. In, it, the first day I saw it, I saw it twice. I went in the morning. I went at night, um, and it was look, man. I I've never loved a movie more. I'm not saying it's the best movie I've ever seen. It's it's not, but I loved it so much I couldn't stop going back to it. I was addicted to it. I am addicted to it. I keep checking. Yeah. Uh, Apple TV for when it's going to be available for purchase, like for pre-order. Like I love this movie so much. I genuinely love and appreciate Nicolas Cage. I think he's an unbelievable actor, even in the bad movies. There are just moments where like he just brings it and the quote unquote like fictionalized Nick with a K cage that yeah. he is in this movie. It's still so very much him. It's not cartoonish. Like there's a lot of cartoonish things going around around him and and it's just like it's such a beautiful ode to like a a truly great actor that had got into some financial problems and has had to do some weird shit because of it but pedro pascal is phenomenal and then every supporting character is great uh what's oh man who plays his cousin paco leon is like unbelievable in that movie as you know one of the bad guys and it's just i genuinely like i know people think of nicholas cage as a joke and sure, in many ways he is. Like, go see that movie. It's so fucking good. It's so well done. It's so, like, self-aware um, throughout the whole process. And it's just fun. Like, it was just a fun movie to go to. He is Zach Harper, NBA writer for The Athletic, host of Cinephobe, Count the Dings, and the Sirius XM's NBA Radio. Zach, thank you so much. Thank you. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. And now to help me unpack the PGA Championship and golf, a sport that I do not follow, 
uh, is the number one golf expert on the planet, my mom. I'm here with my mom. Justin Thomas just uh, won the 2022 PGA Championship after a playoff with Will Zalagoras. Mom, what is your reaction uh, to JT's win? Why? I, I might as well play. 
and he said he has a blessing of his whole family. Yeah. So, I, I, I mean, the only way he, he said he's not only going to be selected, right? Right. Tournament. So the only way he can win those selected is, is to, to enter a tournament. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's what he's doing. But, um, I heard today, I was following it in the news, they said the reason why um, he, he was hurting so much is for the reason of the change of the weather, from, four, from 80 to 40, uh, raining and cold, yeah. and he didn't have enough time to 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 uh, treat himself for, for preparation. It was a tough course for him too, right? Very hilly yeah. and stuff to walk it, Longer, it's a long of a hillier than master. They said more, more steps hillier and longer as the master. Is it? Um, one of my followers, Chris, wants to know: Is it too soon to ask if Will Zalagoras is going to be in the best to never win it territory? He's he's always close, but he chokes so much. Oh, Zalagoras. Uh, yeah. Well, he's young. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, my, you know, he's not as experienced as from Justin. You know what I mean? So he's younger. He's, he's, he'd, be, he'd be okay. I mean, look. I mean, Justin talked all the time. Yeah. So, you know, it happens. You know, their, their, their mind is not as even, even though he said, the mind, nobody has a mind mental. Uh, uh, preparation like Tiger. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the whole thing and, and that's it. Yeah. You're not there. It's only him and the ball. You know what I mean? So uh, that's thing. And then I like when John Ram was saying, I approached Tiger during the master and asked him how do you do this and this. He, he, he didn't give me any points, but then I looked and I saw Justin asking, Thomas asking a question, and Tommy explaining to Justin so much. <laughs> so it's a selected people that he will give an advice, you know. Right? Yeah. Well, um, earlier in the tournament, you uh, well, before it started, you uh, texted me about that Sergio Garcia didn't, you know, what was going on. Oh, my God. Show. Sergio now you've hated Sergio. You've hated Sergio for a long time, ever since his comments about yeah, Tiger. Right. Uh, did you hate him even before that? Especially when I was uh, in that when when Tiger uh, won in that page. Yeah. And it was raining, and he was so mad. Tiger was so mad with Tiger. Saying, Sergio was so mad. Sergio was so mad. I mean, yeah, Sergio was so mad. And blaming the weather that it's it is it is it that they stop you know they first they stop they cancel it for a while because it was raining hard and he's blaming tiger he said oh it is because it's tiger you know what a baby yeah. you know and I and I don't like it when you know hate I hate it when people do. You know, racist thing, and and he did that. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? I don't like that. You know what I mean? Because I know. I mean, you know, hey, you know, I came in here. Somebody said that to me, so I know 
it's not right. So I don't like when people do that. Okay. So um, so he's just a baby. What? That's why I'm laughing. He's going to be playing for Saudi. He destroyed the golfers when he was playing, how many years? Two, three years ago in Saudi. What is this they're going to do to him when he does the same thing? <laughs> Um, yeah, but it was a nice tournament for Bubba Watson, nice showing for Bubba. Um, oh, I like Bubba Watson. Yeah, how did you feel about uh, about Bubba? Well, you know, he he didn't, he didn't win, but hey, he, he did it for a long time. He, he you know, um, he was not making the cut. Yeah. He made the cut, so good for him. You know what I mean? Look at all those people. Tiger made the cut, and I mean... Uh, uh, Dustin Johnson didn't make the cut. Yeah. Casper didn't make the cut. Yeah. You know, wow. You know, I mean, number one, Scotty didn't make the cut. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who are, so, non Tiger, who are your favorite golfers right now? Okay. I like, of course, Brooke. Okay. Brooke uh, yeah. I, I really like Colin, Colin Morikawa. Yeah. Okay. Thunder. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I like Thunder, and of course, I like Justin Thomas. Um, I I like okay Justin Johnson, but there is something going on with him. I think it's back in cocaine. <laughs> oh my God, Mom! <laughs> I mean, because he's not doing well. There's something going on, or maybe it's because of the wedding or whatever it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you know? That's it for us. Follow and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to Take Line Show on YouTube for exclusive video clips from this episode, plus my digital series, All Caps NBA, which airs every Friday. Check it out. Goodbye. Take Line is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Ryan Wallerson and Zuri Irvin. Our executive producers are myself and Sandy Drort. Engineering, editing, and sound design by the great Sarah Alaska and the folks at Chapter 4. And our theme music is produced by Brian Vasquez. Mia Kelman is on the Zoom for vibes, and the vibes are fantastic all the time. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.